I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. And after the injury hellscape that was week three, we are back and we are ready to roll into another exhilarating week of NFL action. So in order to help us prepare for the weekend ahead, I am joined, as always, by my co-host. You can find him everywhere, at that FF nerd. It's the Important Nonsense Draft, your start-sit guru, it's Jason Draven. He is not our draft guru. I'm sorry about messing that up, Jason. Start, sit, guru. Jason Draven, how's it going? I'm good, man. I'm just been enjoying football, and I hate all these injuries, so I've been watching everybody pretty closely and trying to figure out who we should play this week, and who I'm just going to leave alone. It is a tough week. There are so many questions, especially in the start-sit world, and I just wanted to clarify because your draft takes are pretty terrible, but your start-sit takes are pretty great. So just wanted to clear that up, but I'm sure all our lovely friends in the audience know that we've got to be prepared for anything when we give Jason a microphone. So for those in the audience that are new, I will be here to try and rein in some of his more outlandish takes, but for the most part, they're pretty good. So with that in mind, it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty Time to recap the action that was Miami Dolphins at the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Miami Dolphins went down and put it on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dolphins won 31-13, to and it just goes to show that beards are better than mustaches. Yeah, and unfortunately, I was actually really high on both these quarterbacks, and I'm just unfortunately sad that I was completely wrong on Gardner Minshew. I do actually put a lot of blame on uh, Conley this, but it's fine. I did hear a fun fact during the game, though, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the only quarterback to throw a TD on eight different teams. Kind of fun. I mean, he's a great talent. He can still run. He is just one of those tough, gritty guys. And it's also the first time he went 11 for 11 and two DDs. It's his best start ever. Pretty impressed with Ryan. What did you think? I was very impressed impressed with it fit magic came out and showed that he's still got some life left in that arm and he's really just going to do everything in his power to keep Tua on that bench wasn't such a hot day for Minshew mania though he did have 275 yards scoreless though and an interception sacked four times it just wasn't his day but underneath all of that everyone's really upset with him i know i am because he did, did fail me in fantasy i did start him in several places still completed 71.4 percent of his passes 22 yards rushing so if he has a score it's really a better day and we're not so worried about him so going forward i'm not happy with how Minshew's performance was this week but i'm still not worried about it i don't think you can derail the mania of gardner Minshew. Yeah, and I completely agree. I mean, even if he had not taken a couple of those sacks and just thrown a cu- it away, I think he would even had a better day. But it's whatever. The most impressive thing, though, is actually Robinson. Man, he just was amazing. Minshew found him on the first two plays. And this kid is just super talented. He has great vision. He's very shifty. And I know it's horrible to say, but I was really into Robinson coming into this game. And I think that seeing him go forward he's a huge trust for me it's going to be hard to stop this kid so explosive makes good moves and again another fun fact is robinson was only one of two players over the past 
decade to have 300 skimmer yards and three rushing TDs to be their first three games. The other one, oh wait, is Kareem Hunt. So with that in mind, we had a guy from Fantasy Life app ask, our Flint asked if we think James Robinson is legit, and if so, are we holding him or are we trying to sell him? So at this point, it looks like he is the early favorite for waiver wire pickup of the year, and I do think he looks legit. So the Jaguars were trailing throughout that entire game. So we actually saw a 30-30 snap split between Robinson and Chris Thompson. They split it exactly down the middle. Each had 30 snaps. So you hear that and you get a little bit sus about that regression coming in. But we look at how those snaps played out. Robinson outcarried Thompson 11-2, to outgained him by 43, and scored twice. So he's clearly the guy that's going to be getting all the carries. But the Jaguars are going to be trailing. We saw that. Robinson ran 10 less routes than Thompson. So that's not great. But they were tied in targets with six. Robinson caught all six of his for 83 yards. And Thompson had five for 35. There is a clear difference between these two athletes as just pure talents. And yeah, he's legit. James Robinson is legit. Chris Thompson is going to continue to lose snaps down the way. It's James Robinson's season. He's a full bell cow. I, I don't think we can argue it at this point. Yeah, and I completely agree. I just, I don't know why the Jaguars are so interested in Chris Thompson, except for maybe he's a vet. But I just, it's a poor decision. I mean, and then, of course, when they put him in at one point, it actually led to... uh. Minshew being sacked. So I was just like, this is a horrible idea. Why are you doing this? But like you said, Dolphins really ran a ran a lot. They seemed committed to it. I mean, even then, Gaskin, I was super impressed on the other side with Gaskin. He's just, um, I don't understand how you can go from having such great talents and then you pay Howard, you pay Brita, and then you bring in Gaskin. He's the guy getting most of the touches. He had 22 carries for 66 yards. Not great, but he caught Five targets for 29 yards. It just is amazing. But they bring in Howard at the goal line, and they use Breida so spread out and random. I just I I hate the fact that they do that. If they went with just one back, I think that backfield could be, actually be really useful. Well, it would be really useful if you toss that touchdown onto Miles Gaskin. But unfortunately, it does look like Jordan Howard is going to be that guy around the the goal line. But between the 20s, and honestly, between the in the five all between there miles gaskin bell count not what i expected but here we are seventh rounder in gaskin udfa and robinson they're both balling out and the nerds love to see it at running back so all three of howard's carries came on the goal line he had one rushing yard and scored the touchdown on the season 16 carries 12 yards three scores so he's the new Legarrette blunt here and, you know, I am really not worried about Matt Breida hurting Gaskin. He had three carries last game and only four yards, one target on the season, and 15 carries on the season, which is still seven less than Gaskin had last game. I haven't cut Breida yet. Do it now. Gaskin should be on every team at this point. If he's on the waiver wire, you I don't know what league you're playing in, but sign me up for that. Miles Gaskin, bell cow. But it ended up being a pretty quiet night for the pass catchers. On the first drive, Preston Williams found the end zone. First target of the game. End of the day, though, just two targets, two receptions, seven yards. Had the score, bailed him out. But, yeah, kind of disappointing. And the next touchdown went to Gesicki. If he passed an interference call, led up to that. But he had caught his only target of – or sorry, he caught one of only three targets, and that was it. End of the day, 15 yards in the score. Devontae Parker led the team with five targets, five receptions, 69 scoreless yards. So none of the pass catchers in Miami really helped you. Ryan Fitzmagic, though, absolutely did. Well, and I was super impressed with uh, Jakeem Grant, man. I don't understand why they aren't using him more. He's just so explosive. One of those impressive players that you just 
or Mays to see on the field. He only had the one reception for 19 yards and one carry for 29 yards. They need to use this kid more. The reason they haven't so far is because he is Albert Wilson 2.0, and the Dolphins know limiting his touches the only way that they're going to keep him healthy. But I agree, the world needs more touches out of Jakeem Grant, and the world needs more touches out of LaVisca Chenault. But that was completely unfair. So I get giving him the one carry when James Robinson was looking so good. I still don't fully agree because you still found a way to get Chris Thompson two carries. I digress, though. But how are you going to target Chris Conley eight times, get three for 34 out of him, and then you get Chenault five targets, 33 yards, or five receptions, 33 yards on six targets. So what are we doing here? It's just a mistake by the Jacksonville coaching staff. Yeah, and I mean, that was part of my biggest frustration and why I put so much blame on Conley. I mean, he missed two catches, literally hit him in the hand for first downs. And I just, it blows me away. I mean, they both ended up becoming a punt. And again, he pushed off at one point and negated a first down that led to Minshew fumbling. Like, I, at that same, on that same fumble, fumble, quote unquote, it, it was a fumble, I guess, but... They got Cam Robinson with that silly foul against the referee, and I just, I just couldn't support that at all. And it was just a frustrating night for the Jags. It was embarrassing. So for those who didn't watch the game, Cam, Cam Robinson was buried under a pile. Every single player is out of the pile, but two referees are still on the guy. He pushes them off, and he gets ejected for it because you can't push a ref. Completely unfair. So yeah. Whatever. Game was fun. Fun Thursday night game. Rounding things out. Keelan Cole was his usual reliable self. Caught 4-4-43. Didn't have the touchdown, though, so it was a more disappointing game. Fantasy. At tight end, James O'Shaughnessy was the guy. Caught 3-4 of four for 29. So everyone who was like, oh, Tyler Eifert's back. No, he's not. You can go away with that. Caught 2 for 11. No one should ever be talking about Tyler Eifert ever again. Oh, and finally, D.D. Westbrook finally dressed with Chark out. Caught one target for four yards. He's the wide receiver five, even with Chark out, and was behind rookie fifth-round pick out of Texas, Colin Johnson, who's 6'6", and not very good at football. So pour one out for D.D. Westbrook. That's going to do it from Thursday Night Football, though. And honestly, I think that was the perfect Thursday Night Palette Cleanser to get us off and ready for Week 2. Or sorry, get us off of week two and ready for week three. So it was two bad teams, fun game featuring some mania, some magic. In the end, the beard won because we don't. Beards are better than mustaches. It's a simple fact. The beard has to be trimmed and clean. So with that, we're going to kick it to the boss at nonsense underscore Steve, Mr. Steve Bond. Thank you for that, Steve. And so as we look back, we must look forward as well. But to look forward, we have to understand the present. Did you understand that? Well, hopefully we bring some clarity to you with the news. So at quarterback, Justin Herbert is going to be making the start again. Tyrod Taylor had his lung punctured by the team doctor who was trying to give him an injection to his rib area. Justin Herbert's going to make the start again. Jason, any thoughts there as the resident Chargers expert? Yeah, I feel super bad for the guy, but at the same time, that seems like really shady and makes me nervous, but... Good for the kid. I'm hoping that he can keep that confidence and just move forward. And so pretty pumped for all the pass catchers and pretty much the whole Chargers offense going hopefully look a lot better again this week. Absolutely ugly. We are not a fan of that, but good for the kid for looking so impressive on such short notice. And unfortunately, it does look like Tyrod will lose that job going forward. Nick Mullins will be starting week three against the Giants with Jimmy Gorgeous dealing with a high ankle sprain. We'll get to that later, though. It is a little bit iffy. Not exciting things out of San Francisco right now. It seems like the entire roster is out or questionable. 
Blake, the boat is back and with the Denver Broncos. Drew Locke is out at least two weeks, if not more, with the shoulder injury. So Jeff Driscoll is going to get the start. And in the meantime, but Blake Bortles might be back. And that is pretty exciting to see. Less exciting to see, though. Jason, I have a question. What is wrong with the Saints? They just miss Michael Thomas. I mean, they don't have that dominant guy. They don't know. To, well, Smith is just isn't experienced enough. Cook isn't good. And Sanders just doesn't understand the system. So it's a huge mess. So the pretty much only person you can trust is Kamara here. And I think you know why. He's in the system. He knows it. And let's move forward. Yeah, and with our final note, it's not actually a QB news, but it does impact our, our quarterback. So Cam Newton is going to be missing his center, David Andrews, this week. Andrews had surgery on a broken thumb on his snapping hand, and he actually did try to learn how to snap left-handed. So good on him for the attempt, but he is going to be out. That's going to do it from running, or that's going to do it from quarterbacks. We're going to move on to running backs, and Devonta Freeman signs with the Giants, so he's going to be competing with Dion Lewis, Wayne Gallman, and the ugliest back committee in the league. Eh, maybe it's not the ugliest, actually. We do still have the Jets. So it might not even be the ugliest committee in the state, but you get what I mean. This is ugly. Yeah, and I mean, wait to use Freeman because he doesn't know the system and isn't really a pass-catching back. So with that in mind, I'm more tempted to pl play Lewis of the two. But if possible, don't start either of them. Don't do it. Don't. No. Don't, don't, don't do it at all, ever the Giants backfield if, if Saquon couldn't get it done in the Giants backfield why would either of these two be able to out of the Panthers though Mike Davis is the guy but do Reggie Bonifon or Curtis Samuel get involved at all at running back Jason I mean you know it's going to be Davis of course being the guy he's going to get a majority of touches but I wouldn't be surprised Samuel's already been getting touches and they don't really throw to him so they might as well give it to him right so I'd say Samuels will probably be used there and might actually have some value moving forward. They really do have to get him involved in that, that offense somehow. But I mean, if Robbie Anderson's going to keep balling, why, you don't really have to, I suppose. So do what you got to do, Panthers. Anyways, moving on, we have Josh Jacobs, who gave us a big heckin' fright when he missed Wednesday and Thursday practice. But it does look like he's back, looks ready to go with the hip injury. And with the weekly beatings he takes, I'm not going to be totally shocked if, like, each and every week he is missing one, if not two practices, just sitting in that ice bath trying to heal up because that guy sure takes a beating. He's going to be good to go, though. Darrington Evans was finally removed from the injury report, and he will make his debut on Sunday against the Vikings. He likely takes over for Jeremy McNichols as the change of pace back to Derrick Henry. That doesn't have any value, though, does it, Jason? Nope, not at all. I'm not even kind of worrying about it at this point, but I would like to see him at least get some kind of use. It'd be nice to give Henry more of a breather. Michael P. Ryan, who was limited Wednesday with an ankle, but he is full go on Thursday and looks ready to make his debut this weekend. Questionable side of things, Philip Lindsay did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Got some work in Friday, so we still don't have an answer on his status. He's going to try and give it a go, as is Duke Johnson, who's been limited all week and is officially questionable for week three with the Steelers with that ankle injury. And Darrell Williams was also limited on Thursday with an ankle. So all three of these guys are highly questionable, and I don't want to play any of them. I don't see actually, any reason why you would. Darrell Williams actually just had a full practice, and they say he is active for the game. So something to keep an eye oh, on. Something to keep an eye on. Either way, none of these guys are fantasy relevant. On to something more fantasy relevant, though, and 
real life relevant as well. James White will not play after a car accident last weekend where his father passed away and his mother was left in critical condition. Family is bigger than football. Our thoughts are with James White, his family, his friends, and loved one during this extremely difficult time. And it's, it's just heartbreaking. So we're going to move on from that. With White out, it will likely remain a committee between Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle, and UDFA JJ Taylor against the Raiders. Onto the Panthers, Christian McCaffrey is out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, and I don't think that, already kind of touched on it, but Davis, I'm not playing in this week. The Chargers actually looked pretty good against CEH last week, and Davis is not better than him, so I'm not touching him. Christian McCaffrey is out. Zach Moss will be out as well. Missed Wednesday and Thursday with a toe injury and was officially declared out on Friday. So fire me up some Devin Singletary against the Rams. I'm actually kind of excited about this. We were worried about Singletary all offseason because he wasn't going to get the full workload. Now he is, though. Akers has also been ruled out with separated cartilage in his ribs. Malcolm Brown's on the injury report with a broken finger that he got surgery on. Had a full session Thursday, and it does look like he's going to give it a go. But if anything goes wrong with that, could be a big Darrell Henderson week. That's something to keep an eye on going forward. Also, Tevin Coleman landed on injury reserve earlier in the week. Raheem Mostert is also out this week, probably the next two to four as well. So look for my man, Jamichael Hasty, to see his first NFL action. Let's go. Yeah, he'll be right behind Jarek McKinnon and Del Filson. So... Just something right. that I'm, yeah, those two are the people I'd much rather have. Probably Wilson and Standard and McKinnon and PPR. No, no, McKinnon and both. McKinnon and both, absolutely. But Jermichael Hasty making his debut is more exciting than either of them. And in final news, Justin Jackson is going to be out. He has finally resumed practice on Friday with the quad injury, but he's still working off to the sign and is still limited. So another week of Joshua Kelly to get rolling. At wide receiver, Biggest question of the week, KJ Hamler to see an increased role? Absolutely. I mean, with pretty much Judy is currently dealing with some issues. So with that in mind, I mean, it's hard not to play him. And he's definitely more talented than Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton. So not worth it. Yeah, that's not, even a, that's not even a question. Those two are not very good at football. Judy is a true game time decision with the rib injury. Meanwhile, AJ Green says he's almost in game shape, admits he's still rusty, still not fully there, but thinks he's getting there. Is this the week? Nope. I mean, I still love his target share, but this week he gets slay, so that's a big no for me. Devontae Adams did not participate in practice Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. He is a true game time decision with the hamstring, but it does appear that he is going to be out after he's declared doubtful. Falcons offensive coordinator Dirk Cotter believes there's more to Julio Jones' hamstring injury that and he's leading on didn't participate for any of practice this week and is officially a game time decision so there's a really good chance we're missing Devonte adams julio jones and michael thomas in week three that is terrifying for fantasy football yeah but at the same point i mean julio is one of those players that i wouldn't be surprised if he's actually on the field they just use him as a decoy because he does not like to miss games and he is one tough guy is a true warrior so it is going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out it's gonna be interesting with kenny galladay as well he's been limited all week with the hamstring appears to be on track to return but with these hamstrings they've been kind of nightmarish all off season and i really don't trust guys that have these hamstring injuries 
Yeah, and I've been being asked a whole lot about Canadian Galladay, so I had to bring it up. Little Strag 63 asked, how comfortable are we starting Kenny Galladay? And would you start him over, for example, Deontay Johnson? Uh, so I'm not, yeah, I'm not playing Kenny Galladay. I'm almost guaranteeing you that I have a better option than forcing Kenny Galladay into my lineup because with these hamstrings, as we saw with Adam Thielen all of last year, you might play, you might start, no guarantee you're going to finish. So yeah, I would absolutely start Deontay Johnson over Kenny Galladay. Speaking yeah, of, I completely agree because you saw it, uh, for example, last night, Devonte uh, Parker is having a hamstring issue and you saw how less explosive he was. So yeah, still not playing him, but let's, we can go on to Johnson. Sorry for interrupting me there. Oh, it's okay. You do that enough. I'm just learning to deal with your interruptions. It's fine. Deontay Johnson is dealing with a lingering toe injury. I'm wondering if it is this turf toe that a couple players have been suffering through. So didn't participate Wednesday, full go Thursday. Juju didn't participate either day with the knee injury, but it doesn't sound too serious. According to ESPN's prior, he is going to make a play. So both these guys should be wheels up for this weekend. Yeah, and Juju and... Johnson both practice in full today. So I think, of course, they should both be have value, especially this week. Yeah, it's a juicy matchup. Uh, John Brown was limited Thursday with a foot issue, but he also missed last Wednesday with the same foot issue. So hopefully it's nothing, and it's just kind of something we're going to watch throughout the season. He's going to get these maintenance treatments on it. Cole Beasley didn't participate Wednesday with a hip and thumb, but he is going to give it a go this weekend. Yeah, and honestly, I if John Brown is healthy, I love him this week because Diggs is probably going to get Ramsey, and let's go because John Brown should be fired up if possible. Brandon Cooks is still limited with the quad. We know by now that he's going to play through it. It's going to happen, and hopefully he just keeps ramping it up because he did seem like he's back on the right track last week, had the quietest four for 90-plus reception receiving yards game ever will fuller's not on the injury report with that hamstring that took him out of the ravens game so i don't know what to believe there apparently he's healthy we'll see about that kenny still is also questionable with an injury that, or with an illness that kept him out of friday's practice so texans kind of a mess against the steelers we will see even sims also limited with a toe injury thursday but you can expect him to be good to go against the browns but a lot of these players with the, are coming back with these toe injuries and i'm wondering if it's all kind of linked to the shortened off season disappointing to see speaking of more foot injuries alshon jeffrey returned to eagles practice for the first time in nine and a half months after Liz frank surgery on his foot not going to play this weekend though doesn't look like sammy watkins is either he's in the concussion protocol Justin Watson is also going to be out with a hand wrist shoulder injury. Chris Godwin is back this week. Scotty Miller's limited. So we might be looking at the debut of Dynasty Darling from John Chansey, Tyler Johnson. Yeah, no, just stop that. It's, it's going to be Godwin. He's going to be back. And I mean, of course, it's going to be Godwin, but we can't have fun with the rookies, the sleepers. Nope, 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 nope not touching it. Uh uh-uh. uh. I'm, I'm barely, I'm not even touching Godwin this week because I'm just nervous to see how he's going to be used with Brady finally being healthy. I mean, I'm just curious. We have to start him. We can give him a shout out because Dynasty is fun and it's fun to see our players in Dynasty get <sighs> snapped. Oh my, you're the worst. <laughs> Moving on, uh, I'm sorry, this is the worst. The fact that we have to report on this, the Jets. So Chris Hogan, limited with a rib injury Thursday. Braxton Berrios is questionable with the hamstring. 
So rounding out the Jets, they have no one of consequence. Denzel Mims is still on IR. Jamison Crowder is out with the hamstring. And Brashad Perriman's week to week with an ankle. It's absolutely terrible. Thomas is going to be out after not practicing all week. And I don't know why the Saints haven't placed him on IR. They're really trying to force this. Bad idea. A.J. Brown also out with a bone bruise in his knee. Henry Ruggs is out with knee and hamstring injuries. And Christian Kirk is out with a groin injury. So just you wait. Andy Isabella going for four, 120 and two against the Lions. Yeah, yeah. We all know that's actually fits, but it's fine. Uh, we actually had another question. You're so for- boring. You're so boring. <laughs> had a question for Fantasy Life. Jerger Banks, 728, asked what we think he should do with Christian Kirk moving forward. Well, you're not trading him because you're not getting anything for him. Uh, this this week, I hope you're in a league with that has IR slots because I'm putting him on, on the IR and stashing him there. But yeah, I am really worried about Christian Kirk. Well, I'm probably about two weeks away from just cutting bait completely. And if I have to this week, if there's someone on the waiver wire that's really enticing, I'm going to just cut him. Fortunate, but true. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, at this point, you need to be focusing on winning and moving forward with your team and Christian Kirk does not seem to be the answer at this point so I'd move on from him hopefully Andy Isabella is the answer moving on Sterling Shepard has gone to IR with the turf toe lots of these toe injuries Paris Campbell is on IR and out indefinitely with a PCL injury Jalen Rager headed to IR with a torn UCL in his thumb team is hoping he can return after week the Eagles week nine by at foot FB injury doc on Twitter. Edwin Porras pointed out that most MLB players, it's usually about eight weeks. Drew Brees was out six weeks after his thumb injury last season at the same time. So it could be back before then, but this is a rough start to the career of Jalen Rager, especially with a thumb injury, which is essential to catching the ball. Eagles look like a mess, plain and simple. And finally, Philip Dorsett is headed to IR with a foot injury. We're going to round things out with the news with tight ends. Darren Waller scared us all week the same way Josh Jacobs did. Missed two practices, but the man is back. The man is ready to go against the Patriots. Same cannot be said for George Kittle. Got a limited practice in with the knee sprain slash bone bruise in the same knee. Keep in mind, he's also got that, sh- that labrum tear in his shoulder. So he was limited on Wednesday and Thursday, but he was ruled out. And I think that's because the more worried about the turf and MetLife. Kyle Shanahan called out the Jets for how they kept their field last week. They're playing in the same stadium, so I think they're just worried they're going to play it safe. Jack, the Colts practice Thursday in a limited capacity, and despite being questionable on the injury report, he's been deemed ready to roll by Frank Reich. So is this the end of Mo Ali Cox season, Jason? Yeah, I mean, with him back, I loved seeing Mo last week. It was great. I'm happy he had a good day. The five for 115 or whatever is awesome. I'm super pumped for him, but just get back to blocking and we'll have Doyle work it out. I feel so bad for you because you're literally choosing between like two of your children with these guys. Like you want both of them to succeed. It's so sad. I'm sorry, Jason. Yeah, I get it. It's fine. Dawson Knox has been ruled out as he remains in the league's concussion protocol. Dalton Keene was removed from the injury report with a neck injury. He's the Patriots tight end and Max William of the Cardinals to IR. None of these really matter. I Maybe some Buffalo truthers were playing Dawson Knox, but I hope not because that's a bad, poor fantasy football process. So after sifting through all of that news, I hope you figured out what's important, what's not. We now know what we can act on. We can take it to the betting markets. And to do that, we need a platform. 
And that platform is Monkey Knife Fight. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve. You can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. Love that so much. If I had to bet, the two guys reading that ad are incredibly handsome. But that brings us to the most questionable part of our show each and every week. It's the time of the show where I relinquish all power and we roll into Jason's trust or bust. So Jason, take it away. Okay, so we're going to start out with trust. Just a reminder, this is quarterback's that are outside the top 12 that I think have a chance to go into the top 12 as trust. And the busts are quarterbacks that are in, in the top 12 and rostered, well, and they are going to probably end up outside of the top 12, which I hate to say, but for example, I was high on Fitzpatrick and Minshew, so we'll see how that goes. At least I was 50-50 on that pick. Uh, so I'll start with my first trust, which is Ryan Tannehill, he gets a great matchup. He's been so consistent the past couple of weeks. Um, I'm sure if you checked out my Twitter or the pin section of the Fantasy Life app that I have for the Start Sick community, you saw his picture. So week one, 29 for 43 for 249 yards, two touchdowns against Denver. Week two, he was pretty efficient, went 18 for 24 for 239 yards and four touchdowns against Jacksonville. 
this week he gets the Vikings, who were just torched by Phillip Rivers and the Colts. Yeah, I'm going to co-sign this. I'm glad you can start off strong. That's always very exciting to see because you do get pretty questionable sometimes with this. So, yeah, I have actually chosen to start Ryan Tannehill over to Sean Watson in several weeks leagues this week. And it's not only as bad as you've described with the Vikings, it's even worse because they're going to be missing their CB1, Mike Hughes. He's out with a neck injury. And CB3, Cameron Dantzler, he's out with a rib injury. So they've gone from bad is an understatement but they've gone from terrible to downright dreadful Let's yeah go Tannehill. yeah i'm pretty pumped for him but i had to bring it up i'm a homer so i'm playing justin herbert as Bart, another trust biggest homer i can't oh, help it man it's my chargers here he did a good job against the kansas city chiefs threw for 22 completions granted it took 33 attempts but he had 311 yards and one td he also had an interception but had he not thrown that interception and pulled it down and ran, he would have added 12 yards, which would have gave him close to 30 yards. That's pretty awesome for a rookie. I mean, I'm pretty impressed with him. He also had a goal line situation where he opened it up the wrong way to give the ball to Eckler. And had he opened up the right way, he probably could have easily ran it in for a second rushing touchdown. Would have been a great day for the kid. And I just think the talent is there in this matchup is great against the Carolina Panthers. So I'm pumped for this game. I'm really hoping I get to watch it. You, you may be a homer, but you actually are pretty, right? So Justin Herbert looked pretty incredible week one, especially I wasn't big on him in the pre-draft process. So I was very impressed. And the Panthers' defense is objectively horrendous. So only thing I'm worried about this week is that Rundy is also so terrible. It might be a big day for Josh Kelly and Austin Eckler on the ground. And instead, Herbert goes like 16 of 18, 208 yards and one TD. So he looks fantastic, kind of disappointing in fantasy. So that's my only worry. But I think he's going to look really good against this Panthers defense. It all depends on how many times he throws touchdowns and and how many times Joshua Kelly vultures him. It's a lot. Yeah, and I mean, that rushing floor is another thing that helps. So I'm going to stay with rookies in my trust for my last one here. Joe Burrow. Okay, he gets the Eagles. Again, reminds me of the last one where Burrow did very well. For those that don't remember, he threw 61 passes. A lot. 37 of which were caught for 316 yards and three TDs. Granted, it was the Browns, but it was pretty impressive. He went up. He's... Also went up against a good Chargers defense in week one, where he went 23 for 36 on 193 yards and one interception. So we've actually seen the Chargers play pretty good on defense. So another team that I'm kind of looking at. Uh, he also likes to run. So having over 60 yards rushing in his two games, Goff was my start last week against the Eagles. He put up 20 for 27, 267 yards and three touchdowns. So I can see Joe pretty much doing the same thing. I think he's a much more talented quarterback. So I do have to say you are right. And I do have to say you were right last week. And I was wrong. I was big. I'm big enough to admit it. Jared Goff was a correct play last week. The Eagles are worse than I even imagined. There's a lot of bad defenses early in this season. I don't know if it's because of the shortened off season or what, but absolutely terrible some, on some defensive performances. So Bengal King Joe Exotic is going to, torch them. AJ Green, I think, might finally have his big day. Had over 200 air yards last week, so let's go. Wheels up on Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'm just more worried about him getting slay. So we'll move into the bust, and I hate to say it, but, man, I'm going to say Drew Brees. He looked so rough last week. 
against a slept on Raiders team who actually I think have a pretty decent defense. Um, but again, without Michael Thomas, they just look completely lost. And this week he gets the Packers who have actually looked pretty solid at the same point. He hasn't scored over 15 fantasy points yet. So I'm really nervous on that. He would probably would have last week, but he threw an interception for on his 317 yard game in a touchdown. But even then, the week before, he had a shootout with the Bucks. He put up 160 yards and two touchdowns and still didn't score that. So, again, I see Breeze leaning on Kamara because he's the only one who he can really trust. And I think that continues to be the case. Yeah, I, I really hate to say this, but Breeze is kind of washed like Peyton was in that final year. So he's still got the great mind, but the arm just isn't there. And that's caused him to be a little bit more hesitant because he knows he can't make all of the throws he used to. So you see him like kind of pull the ball down a little bit. And it's just, it, it's sad to see. I think he still can be efficient enough to get this offense rolling, but I am absolutely not trusting him in fantasy at all anymore. Without Michael Thomas, zero interest. And even when Thomas is back, I'm kind of not down in general. Yeah. And I'm going to go to, well, the other side of the ball. <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers, great matchup week one. Ooh. I can't help it, man. He looked great week one, but it was against the Vikings who, wow, that was rough for them. Uh, But we also realize now that they have a bad secondary, so I see why they went after that pretty easy. Week two went up against an easy defense in the Lions, and this week will probably be his best matchup. I mean, I feel like the team will be able to control the ball and use the run game for a majority of the game i mean they'll be able to keep it all the saints looked so bad against the raiders they just could not find anything and so with jacobs being able to run all over them i could see all of the running backs really just taking advantage of this game and with especially i mean not even including the fact that adams has been limited all week makes me really think that rogers leans on the run game and they green bay just controls the clock and not even worries about it how dare you how dare you disparage the bad man, Aaron Rodgers? Like, have you not realized that he's going on a scorched earth tour on the entire NFL? He is getting revenge for when he was slept on in the draft, and now he's getting revenge on his own team for drafting a quarterback while he's still balling in his prime. So, no, I am absolutely not down for this. I'm not sitting Aaron Rodgers. So, Derek Carr, 21 points against the Saints. Not, not 21 points on the scoreboard, 21 fantasy points. Scored three touchdowns, 73.7 completion rate. And so now you're going to call Aaron Rodgers a bust against that defense that Derek Carr just carved up? No, no, you're not. He's a back, he's balling, and I'm calling it now. The Packers are going to blow out the Saints by at least 17 points on Sunday. All of which are going to be on the back of Aaron Jones. When he went... <laughs> Aaron Rodgers throws it to him because Aaron. Oh yeah. Surprise. Aaron Jones is good at catching the ball. He's actually their wide receiver one now. Yeah. 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 We'll see. So we'll move into running back. I can't wait to rub this in your face. You are so wrong about Aaron Rodgers. I might be, but I'm not going to believe it at this point. So moving into running backs, they, these are trusts that are outside the top 24 and our bus are players inside the top 24 that I think aren't going to be in there. So just, Again, uh, when I'm looking at trust, I'm also looking for a roster percentage that is under 50%. So if it's 50% or over, I'm not looking at them as a considered trust. So keep that in mind because, man, I love these players coming up. 
again, going back to being a homer, Joshua Kelly, love this player in a great matchup. He's actually leading the backfield in touches. And with Herbert back under center again, I have hope that both these RBs are going to be huge players this week. Again, Allen and Henry look great. He seems to have a pretty good connection with Henry this so far, so I'm pretty pumped for him. And with, uh, I'm just so nervous, though, because Anthony Lynn and the Chargers like to run the ball and control the clock. That is the only downside and so of this offense. So I can see Kelly being used, and it's going to end up being a pretty good week for him. It's the only downside of the passing offense, but it's absolutely fantastic for Joshua Kelly. And I am sorry for wrecking the surprise earlier, but it's hard not to talk about Joshua Kelly. He is really freaking good. So he's already tied with Eckler and carries through two games. They both have 35. Kelly has to score, though, and he's getting the goal line work. So, yeah, Eckler has three more receptions than Kelly, but he only has nine more yards on them. Eckler has five. Kelly has two. So, yeah, I'm really, really in on Joshua Kelly. He is the new and improved Melvin Gordon, like I have been saying, like Jason has been saying, like Steve has been saying. So if you listen to the Important Nonsense podcast, you know you already have him on your roster, and this week you are playing Joshua Kelly. Yeah, he's just, I mean, the fact that he was so only 20, 20% owned, like that was the number that blew my mind. Coming into this week, he was only owned in 20% of leagues. On ESPN. Ridiculous. I don't get Ridiculous. it. What are you doing on ESPN? Who knows? So, Jared McKinnon is my next trust here. Granted, there is some risk baked in here because of Jeff Wilson potentially stealing those goal line touches and driving me crazy. And it being a Shanahan offense and him liking to try and keep players healthy, which hasn't done well because Coleman and Mostert are out. So, that has a little bit of worry, but it is a giant... Should be a big week for him. And again, I just, I'd be even more confident in him if Kittle was available to help take some pressure off. But we will see how this offense moves. And I think it will be through McKinnon. Not even just missing Kittle hurts because the offense is going to be less efficient. Kittle is just a monster blocker. So he opens up a lot of holes in that run game. But to be fair, you are investing in the offense here. You're investing in Kyle Shanahan's brilliant mind with running backs. That run game is always fantastic, no matter who the quarterback is. So Nick Mullins at QB does hurt a little bit. George Kittle, that that does hurt. But we're also going to get even more touches from McKinnon because of this. So maybe he's a little bit less efficient than he has been these two weeks. Volume over efficiency every single time. And still, even I don't know if it's going to be that inefficient. I don't think Nick Mullins is that bad. 64.2% completion rate 2018, pretty good. 8.3 yards per attempt, really good. So he had 13 to 10 TD to interception ratio, but he was a second year UDFA making his first NFL start. So like, can we really judge him for that? He looked really good and made a couple interceptions. So I don't know. I think the 49ers could probably keep this train rolling with Jimmy Gorgeous out. I'm, I'm in on McKinnon this week. Yeah. And I'm, Pretty sure you're going to hate this last one, but Dion Lewis is another one that I think you can kind of roll out in PPR. I know, I can't help it, but with Wayne Goleman just not being good and Freeman just starting to show up and learn the offense, I think Lewis gets the most work. And because of all the injuries on in San Francisco, I mean, he has a chance to check down and even open it up with the uh, Slayton there. So it helps that he catches passes as he should be getting a few of those dump offs. And I'm worried about the 49ers pass rush. I mean, if he has a chance, I think he does pretty well this week. 
Just no. Deion Lewis washed. 10 carries, 20 yards. That's symptomatic of how washed Deion Lewis is. 3.9 yards a carry last year behind the O-line that Henry dominated behind. And the year before, 3.3 yards per carry. Henry still dominated. And so, yeah, Deion Lewis, not good anymore. I'm, I'm sorry. Giants O-line, significantly worse than the Titans. I, significantly might not be a strong enough word exponentially. I mean, that might be better. But the point is... The Giants line is so terrible. So if Saquon Barkley couldn't do anything behind it, why can Dion Lewis? And also, it's going to be a committee with Gallman and Freeman, so he's not even going to get the full workload. He's not going to be efficient on touches he does get. No, not a trust at all. That. Yeah, and I'm being pretty spicy this week with some of my takes, so I'm going into a bust. It. Clearly. Yeah, well, I'm going into bust, and so... I'm sure this is just going to make so many people mad, but I'm putting Clyde Edwards Hilaire in here. Last week, he faced a good defense in the Chargers. They held him to 70 yards and six receptions. Like, this is pretty impressive. And this game has a lot of upside potential, so you could see it actually being a more passing game for Mahomes. Granted, I do think he could find the end zone, which might end up saving his day, but it's just this game has the makings of a shootout, and I am worried about him being effective against a good Baltimore Rundy. So week one versus the Ravens, the Browns running backs were pretty effective, but it didn't matter. We had 13 carries for 72 from Kareem Hunt and 10 for 60 from Chubb. But if you remember, all of Hunt's work came in garbage time. And then in week two, we had David Johnson go for 11 rushes, 34 yards. So this Ravens defense is still elite, hasn't missed a beat without Earl Thomas. And I really do think it's get, Patrick Mahomes is going to have a day. I think he's going to carve up the secondary a little bit, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be smothered in that run game. Clayus Campbell, Derek Wolf, Patrick Queen. It's a dominant run defense, and I'm, unless Clyde Edwards-Hilaire starts getting really worked into the passing game, I don't think he's going to be a play at all. Yeah, and I've brought up Mike Davis earlier, but he's going to be on my bus list. I mean, I know he will get a majority of the work this week, but he's at a flex at best. I mean, he's going up against the same defense that just held CEH to 70 yards. The Chargers look good. They do decent against the run. And with them healthy, it's going to be tough for him. I hate to say this, but Davis isn't talented. He doesn't have that talent that TH has. And they were able to hold him to 70 yards. So he could end up finding the end zone. But again, it's just a really, I'm just really off of this player. So on a team that I, I think. I think it's unfair to say Mike Davis isn't talented. He's a pretty good pass catching back, but it's not great by any means. He's probably slightly above replacement level. So, yeah, they held CH for that. They also held Joe Mixon to a not-so-nice 69 yards at 3.6 yards of carry. So, yeah, Chargers' defense is legit, and I don't think Davis is going to run very well against him. So the only hope he has is in PPR. And, again, this is the only hope that Deion Lewis has is those checkdowns. Maybe they get enough volume off of that, but I'm trying everything in my power to keep both of those players on my bench. So my final bust, okay, is going to be Todd Gurley. I'm just so nervous on this player. I mean, he's getting great opportunity, but this is a team that's trailing pretty much all the time, it seems, and they throw it first. The defense is so bad that they have to really just throw it, and they don't lean on the run. I mean, they have great matchups, and he has yet to have a big game, a really big breakout. It just hasn't happened for him. He gets another good matchup this week, but again... It's Atlanta throwing all over the Bears. That's the only hope that I see happening. To kind of fall in line, we had a guy from 
the Fantasy Life app, Louis the Seventeenth, ask what is Todd Gurley's trade value? I mean, those are it's hard you, at this point. I'm just holding on to him, so I'm kind of curious about what your take is on this. I said it for, on the wrap up show for week two. It looks like Todd Gurley's going to get about 15 to 20 carries, have about 60 yards a week, and the the side and factor if he matters in fantasies if he scores. So I could be wrong because Adrian Peterson did have his big day against the Bears in week one. But maybe Gurley has his renaissance here, but I do think it's unlikely. I would rather sit him and be surprised than start him and be sad. So I am agreeing with you on the sit. As for trading him, like this is the bottom out of his value. I I don't know what you're going to get for him. So if you can maybe get like something from like a wide receiver two, three, like if I can get Jarvis Landry for Gurley, great. Absolutely. Do that all day. Actually, I did just get did just trade Todd Gurley for Jarvis Landry and Tariq Cohen earlier today. So maybe you can't get nothing for him, but it's still, it's unless I can get something decent out of him, I'm, I'm holding cause there's no point not to. Yeah. And I completely agree. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that love the talent. Don't understand why they did it because that defense is so bad. They should have focused on that. But again, we'll move on to wide receivers here going to trust. Now, this is even harder because now we're going to top 36 for my start, for my trust. They're outside the top 36 and started under 50%. So, and the busts are going to be inside the top 36 that I don't think are going to finish there. So, starting with trust, kind of brought it up earlier, but have to ask, Jack, do you know where John Brown currently ranks among wide receivers? Ooh, that is a good question, and I don't know the answer, but I'm sure it's a good one. Right now, he is number nine in fantasy points, averaging 18.6 per game. I see. Yeah. Yet in a week where Josh Allen gets a tough matchup and, you know, Diggs is facing up against Ramsey, John Brown is somehow still not being started. I don't understand what is going on. You guys have to look at this kind of stuff because it's a great opportunity. And if he's healthy, I am firing him up. It also helps that I love Beasley. I think he has a potential, but John Brown has been the guy and is the big play dude. So with that in mind and Knox not being cleared, I have to have John Brown in my lineup. And so he does have that foot issue that we talked about earlier, which is a little bit scary, but he did have it last week. So until it's an issue, I'm going to call it a non-issue. So in the meantime, Diggs gets Ramsey. Brown gets the five foot nine, 187 pound Darius Williams, who was at UDFA from UAB. A lot of acronyms there in 2018. So yeah, I'm gonna take Brown in that matchup every single time. Let's go, John Brown. Yeah, pretty pumped for that. Again, we're moving into a player that I'm pretty hyped on, Nikhil Harry. He seems to finally be finding his stride, and being healthy helps. Cam Newton kind of sees him as taking on that Kelvin Benjamin role. So I really like him. He's very talented, and he gets Raiders. Like, Smith had so many great opportunities had they actually been able to get him the ball more, or if they decided that's who they were going to throw to with the Saints last week. But with that in mind, and Newton just being a tough quarterback, I think he's able to hit Harry a couple times, especially since, you know, he moves around and makes it a lot tougher on defenses. So pretty pumped for him. 
See, I can take it or leave it with this one. I'm not confident in Harry yet. I still think he looks slow when he gets the ball in his hands, but he's getting the targets, and we know how talented he is from college. So 12 targets, one more than Edelman is huge, and the Raiders' secondary is terrible. So I'm cautiously optimistic. But I'm going to say to be continued on that. I'm, I'm going to wait and see. Yep, and I brought up this last player last week, and he laughed at me. Um, Adam Humphreys. I am sick of tired and everybody's sleeping on him. I don't understand why Tannehill has a great matchup this week against the Vikings secondary that has been giving it up all season to wide receivers. Love Adam Humphreys as he is leading the team in targets, not Corey Davis. Stop that nonsense. Assuming AJ Brown remains out. Humphreys is going to have a big game. He is currently the wide receiver 27 in fantasy. He is averaging 13.3 fantasy points per game. He is behind Davis, but that is because Davis had a big game one when A.J. Brown was taking the majority of the coverage. Yeah, it took me a while to get on board here, but you do have me. Humphreys balled with Jameis two years ago, 76 receptions, 816 yards, and five touchdowns. And through two games, he's got six targets in each one. Caught 11 balls, only had one incompletion, which he did not drop. And with A.J. Brown out, the Vikings top two of the top Vikings top three corners out, they're going to get shredded, and Adam Humphreys is going to be the play, and Corey Davis will not and never will be. Yeah, finally got you on board. Now it'll kind of knock you off the ship here. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go to my bus, and it's Cooper Cup. I know this is probably another spicy one, but hear me out. Higby seems to be the guy they are looking for in the red zone. The Bills are a decent defense, and the cornerbacks are solid. So while I do think that White probably follows Woods around, I am not trusting that Cup gets the touchdowns that he needs. And as of right now, Cup is a wide receiver of 42. So while this team is throwing a lot, he is not seeing enough of the targets for me to really trust him. I'm not going to overreact to three scores from Tyler Higby in one game. They do look to him a lot in the red zone, but historically, Cup's been massive there, so I'm not going to worry too much. I do think regression is coming. With Woods on the outside, seeing a heavy dose of Trey White, Cup's going to get more of Teron Johnson in the slot. So I'm worried about Woods, not so worried about Cup, and I do think this is the week he finds the end zone. Agree there, Jason. Yep, and so going into my last one, and I just, I wish there was hope, and I'm just worried about it, but it's T.Y. Hilton. I mean, I am indeed not going to keep trying to make Fetch happen. If it's not there, I'm not going to do it. So, I love Hilton, had so much hope, but, man, it's just, he's not seeing enough target. He's not showing any kind of connection with Rivers, so I'm super nervous about him, and I am benching him until further notice. It's what I said about Rivers' arm. It's gone and i think drew Brees' arm is probably gone but i know phil river's arm is so they, they've got to be more creative getting a hilton the ball if he's going to matter in fantasy because traditionally his deep threat role it's not going to have any value in fantasy it's not going to fly anymore philip rivers just can't capitalize on it it's uh, so sad to see but until further notice until we see him used more creatively is a sit yep so we're moving into tight end trust at the Again, we're checking out tw top 12 and outside of the top 12. So going into trust, I guess I am just in love with Titans this week. So why is everybody still not starting Donu Smith? He's the third highest scoring tight end behind Waller and Kelsey so far. And in a great matchup, he, get again, gets the targets to be successful. Just, just stop sleeping on him. What is going on? 
Yeah, like, what more is there to say about Jonu Smith? Like, come on. 10th in targets of her tight ends, has 12. 11th in receptions with 8. 8th in receiving yards with 120. But he's 1st in touchdowns with 3. The craziest part? 10.9 of his 15 yards per reception come after the catch. So every time he catches the ball, he's averaging a first down afterwards. Jonu Smith has just scratched the ceiling to his potential. We have no idea how high his value is going to climb. Love him. Love the player. Moving on to my next one, though, is another player I'm high on in Logan Thomas. He's just so safe. He's going up against the Browns, who just let CJ Uzama and Sample destroy them in the slot. I mean, in, as a second look for Haskins here, he has a ton of upside already, and I love every second of it. I mean... I would also be okay with starting sample on a side note, but as he is still ahead of Boyd in targets, I mean, it's hard not to like sample here as well, but Thomas is the second read. Love his option this week, and he should, with all of these targets, be awesome. So just something to keep in mind. So entering week three, Logan Thomas was Third and tight end targets behind only Waller and Kelsey. Just happens to have only eight receptions for 63 yards. So looks really ugly when you look at the receptions and yards. But getting that work in the passing game, only or caught four passes in each game. And PPR, that's a four. So you throw in about 30 yards. That's a seven. And it comes down to the touchdown, whether he's a viable play in fantasy or not. Well, what happens when him and Haskins get on the same page? What happens when they start connecting on those targets? He becomes the next Aaron Waller at that point. So, yeah, let's fire it up with Logan Thomas until he stops getting targeted. It's going to happen eventually. Yeah, and he, it's still there. So, and moving into bust, you just spoke it. So, I'm being risky and saying Darren Waller. I know, it's crazy. The Patriots know he is the big threat for the Raiders, and they want to contain him. They were able to do pretty well against Jacecki in week one, and also week two. Granted, those aren't the best tight ends, but not a real test. But I'm just not rolling Waller out if I have, well, let's say Logan Thomas or Johnny Smith. Oh, if, I'm sorry. If I have Waller, I'm probably playing him. I am playing Johnny Smith over Waller this week, but I, I don't think I can get behind you with Logan Thomas just because I drafted Darren Waller so high. And Henry Ruggs is out, so that means more than Nelson Aguilar and Zay Jones, but we both know they're not very good. So it means more targets for Waller. And I agree that the Patriots are going to cook something up to stop him, and it's going to be a combo of Gilmore, the McCourty twins, jo- Jawan Williams. I don't know, but the volume's going to be there and i it's really hard to sit him unless you have someone like jonu smith waiting for you so temper expectations but it's going to be hard you're going to be hard pressed to find me to say sit waller and play x tight end instead that's going to do it from us at the important nonsense podcast though and i have yet again survived another week of being forced to work with jason so mr nerd do you have any parting words for your adoring fans in the audience no, just ready to watch some football, help you guys out all weekend pretty much. And according up till 11.50 on game day, Sunday morning, I am going to be in Fantasy Life app answering as many questions as I can for you guys. So let's just watch some football. That was lovely, my friend. Don't forget to follow Jason everywhere at that FF nerd because I guarantee you that at some point this season, you're going to be racked with an indecision on a start and sit question. And when that happens, you're going to want the best advice possible. And that can only be done, only come from Jason Draven. Sometimes it's crazy, but you got to at least ask 
and you got to know that at because if you have any complaints about the show at all, direct them to Jason. So remember, it's at that FF nerd because it is always his fault. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and it's been my pleasure as always. If you've had as much fun as I have, make sure you hit, give us a five-star rating and review. And you should probably hit that subscribe button as well. That way, every week, you'll get to hear the Sunday recap from myself at the real NWB New Wallace Bruce and at Dynasty PhD John Chansey to help digest all of the action from the week. Then you're going to be able to hear the bosses on the midweek show at Nonsense Steve and at Nonsense underscore Neil sift through that chaotic mess and then finally you get jason and i to help you prep for the weekend so don't forget to check out all those shows and be sure to follow us along at importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at nonsense ff but most importantly enjoy week three and don't forget to keep up the nonsense music for this podcast is provided by lee rosevere I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!